You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis uh, Dick. A pair of guests today, first up at 8.35, We'll be joined by Nate Tobik. He's author of the Bank Investor's Handbook. He also runs CompleteBankData.com. And then at 9, we'll be joined by Tasha Keeney. She's an analyst at ARK Invest. She will give us her thoughts on Tesla heading into earnings today. Uh, that'll be the theme of the show pretty much is earnings. You've got Tesla after the close, Microsoft after the close, Chipotle after the close. Uh, Snap after the close yesterday, so we'll talk about those numbers, UAL yesterday. Uh, we've got some more tensions with China. Surprise, surprise. Pfizer just signed another deal with the U.S. government to sell them vaccines when they have them. And uh, we'll talk about the rotation out of tech yesterday morning uh, and what that means for today. Uh, let's go throw it to Joel here now. Joel, uh, I mentioned the uh, tensions in China seems to have weighed on the market here a little bit overnight. Tell us what's happened. Unmute yourself, though. Something's going on there in Houston with uh, with China and the U.S. and a yep. little weighing on the market a little bit. Not as much. I mean, you have the good vaccine news, so a little bit of an offset there. But the numbers tell you that we've had a 40-point range overnight, and that's good news. Uh, we got up near the interday high from yesterday. So your pre-market high is 65.75. That's 20 handles away. The bulls got some work to do to get up there. Of course, the high of the rebound from yesterday at 73 and a quarter. That's a big bogey. Um, on the downside, we made quick work of uh, Tuesday's low at 39 and a quarter. Got to 27 and a quarter. Rebound, I don't know why. I didn't have a level there. So we're down 450. Good volatility. So this should be a, a good trading day action on both sides of the market. Uh, we have crude giving back uh, some of those gains from yesterday. Thought we were out of a trading range. Uh, down 73 cents at 41.19. Uh, gold, now gold is ripping here, folks. Uh, once commodities start to trend, they trend. 
gold up 1790 at 1861.40. But gold's a laggard, man. Silver, silver up a bucks. This is called the buck 70 at 23.28. Busting out here. Commodities, once they get going, they get going. Bitcoin. Just kind of hanging out. Uh, down, had a little gain yesterday, um, down $15. But I'm going to bring Triple D in here. And uh, Triple D and Spencer, um, I think you guys owe me a little bit of an apology. Uh-oh. What do we do now? I didn't do well, anything. Well, pro probably, primarily you, Dennis, uh, uh, more more than Spencer. I, I, uh, I made fun I, of your age too much? Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Old lives matter. You know, too. Uh, <laughs> no, we've been worried so much about, you know, everybody else. And we should be worried about Joel because Joel's older with this COVID, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, so seriously, I, why? What's wrong? I made my, my tongue-in-cheek comment about the post office yesterday. Yes. And you went off on it and you said, Joel's old. You found evidence has... the post office going out of business? I have not found evidence, but uh, my people on uh, YouTube have helped me out. And uh, one of the reasons uh, UPS bleeds money is because they're forced by legislation to aggressively fund pensioners medical. So they are a big drain, not necessarily that they're going out of business, but what if they were privatized? I mean, there's a lot of things we could do to make our post office more efficient. And you said I was old and Spencer laughed at me. So if you guys just apologize and we can, we can just move on with the show. I think it was a little the extreme comment of, that we don't need the post office anymore. I think that was more. Now you've changed your tune to a certain extent with this privatization comment, and that's a different story. But I think we still need the post that's office. That's a whole other so, can of worms. So yeah, so me and Spencer, I think, are going to reserve our apology here because it was a ridiculous comment that we don't need the post office. One day, do we need the post office less than we used to? Sure, but we still need the post office. So I'm going to reserve. And what about what about you? But your but your point is noted. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Where would I, I be if I couldn't make fun of you, Joel? All right. So what? Uh, what do we want? What, we want to talk about uh, tensions, uh, U.S.-China tensions. Is that is that something new? No, I want to talk about silver because okay. this it's not, is just, it's not just silver; it's all the metals. I don't even care about U.S.-China tensions. COVID's on the back burner. It's all about silver, folks. What is going on? This silver had a huge move yesterday. And full disclosure, I'm still long silver in the long term. Same account. here. And I have some trades on. I'm long some silver miners and doing some funky things here. So all kind of paired up. So all kinds of different, you know, silver trades on here overnight as well. But holy mackerel, blasted out of a cannon. What's going on? It's up eight and a half percent after tacking on. What was it up? It was up like five, six percent yesterday. So you're talking up like fourteen percent now in twenty-four hours. Did we just decide that silver, the luster is back? We're all going to start wearing silver jewelry, getting silver fillings. What, what's going on? Why? Why? Who, why? What's a catalyst? Why? Uh, well, do we know why? Do we have a catalyst for why silver is just blasted off? And, and, you know, and obviously Fast Money last night, there was a guest on there that said, oh, silver looks good. This isn't from the guest on Fast Money. This is an incredible, incredible move here in the futures. Why is it so hot all of a sudden? I mean, it's, it's so been hot. This feels like upside capitulation now happening, though. Like the I blow off top. What's up? Didn't someone in, in our chat like a week or two ago 
say something about like there being a copper shortage that that won't have that won't affect silver but it metals what's a copper what's the etf on copper again you just gave it to me yes copr is one of them there's a few what's Uh, the other one the other one he gave me was better uh well so there's or sorry cper cper and then then, uh, and then jjc those are the two like pure that's moved but it hasn't exploded like silver just all of a sudden exploded they just shot it out of a cannon and they just shot out of a cannon right before it, you know read the show started too because it was trading around 2080 the slv and then just blast up to 2140 so we'll just tack on another three percent just for fun is this the new hot retail trade what's up what's up uh could it be a weak dollar but what uh, okay so you're gonna move in gold too but let's compare the moves i mean okay so in the last month Gold's up roughly 7%, call it 6%, 6%. In the last month, silver, on the last two days, it's up 14%. But in the last month, same time frame, 21 over 16. Tyler, like it's up 30%. So it, obviously silver's always been a little more volatile than gold. But holy mackerel, these precious metals are precious once again. Uh, maybe it's something to do with Judy Shelton. She got, uh, confirmed by the, was it the house, uh, yesterday? Um, she's going to be on, it looks like she's on pace to be on the board of the federal reserve. And, uh, she's a gold standard person. I was just, I was just thinking that the back oh, of my head. <laughs> Go back to the gold. Good luck with that. <laughs> hey, luck. You got you need a lot of gold and silver to get back onto this gold standard. Or if you want to go under a silver oh, no, she, standard, she, she got, she got confirmed by the banking committee. So now it goes to a full Senate vote, but uh, she, she's going to end up being on the fed at, at, at this rate. And I mean, Spencer, logically, you know, when we have low interest rates or negative rates potential, you would have thought that precious metals, you know, would have been rallying for a long time with you know rates continuing to decline it took a crisis here and obviously we look at silver and look at what it did in march i mean it went from 17 dollars down to 10 bucks the 10 handle and now it's exploded um so you can fundamentally say that if rates are going to be low forever which it appears they are and you know in europe we have negative rates if we're going to eventually have negative rates not necessarily here but in more places precious metals is definitely a store of value and you don't have to pay you know besides storage costs obviously which are minimal in the silver and the gld comparative to the price um it it's safety play maybe but but the market isn't going down. Usually you see gold and silver exploding when there's you know, risk off, where people are like hiding into safety. This is like speculative action here happening in silver, which we haven't seen in a long time. You know, does so, you always talk move. about, you know, like on the show, like if something's moving and you're like, you know, everyone has to find an excuse, right? You know, well, like why? I mean, if if uh, you know if if stocks can go from five to you know one hundred and fifty and with no earning, I mean, so this is really not that out of the ordinary. I mean, what I think you're seeing here, let me pull up the silver chart, is just good old fashioned momentum, right? The the big boys are long, the day traders are long. They're just getting it, they're juicing it. They're, there's the momentum. Then on the other hand, I don't know what the, you know, you could go to um, the commitment to traders and see if there's a huge commercial short here. But hey, you know, it breaks out. You don't trade silver for seven years 
But you say, hey, if this breaks out of 21, I'm buying the daylights out of it. That's money. It's money moving it. So it's just, it's momentum. And one thing about commodities, once they get going in one direction, it's hard to stop it. And it got going it's in one a direction. It's train right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, like I said, I have silver in a long-term portfolio. I feel like dumping it. I feel like dumping into this because it's such a big move. And I, I don't know. I guess the momentum's going. But usually I always look for the upside capitulation when trending up, trending up, trending up. And then you get this upside capitulation move where everybody has to come in 14% in the last couple of days. It feels like upside capitulation, but you could have said that yesterday. Now you get another big move tacked on. So maybe you wait till you get that first ugly red candle and then try to, you know, get out when, you know, after the circus is left town and <laughs> we're using the Harlan yeah. pie analogy there, but I don't know, like you own silver too. I mean, it's been, it's been very disappointing investment yep. for a long time. I've owned very little precious metals. I've had silver. Like I said, I bought it back. I think, man, a long time ago. I feel like back in 2014, maybe 2015. Now, 2014 probably because I was getting in around 18, 19 bucks. You can see the support I was trying to lean on probably 1775 back in June of 2013. It was all kinds. It was holding around 17, 18 bucks. And I was like, it's going to hold to turn around. And it wasn't the case, obviously, it went down. And, you know, I just wanted some precious metals in my long-term portfolio, which I'm still very underweight. So maybe I should just hold on and ride it out. But, wow, what a move. Yeah, uh, not I, to ring I, the register. I can't believe I'm saying this, but um, should I reach out to Peter Schiff's people? Trying to get him on the show? Cause we Peter know he's Schiff been, is hot now. All he's, of a sudden. He's, he's been pounding the table. We, we've had Schiff. We've had Peter Schiff on the show a few times. I know. Uh, the last time he was a little upset with that last segment. When he, <laughs> no, when that we, was when, two when, when, when he thought, well, that was before we had video. So that was a while ago. <laughs> so anyways, he thought it was TV and it was video. And it was like, he wasn't impressed. But anyways. Um, <laughs> Who else is our commodity? You know what? Are? We have a good relationship with Peter Schiff. He came out in New York. He's always sure. been very professional yeah. with us. He got a little angry with us Let's on the last one. But. I think we get Peter. Want Peter Schiff back? Let's chat. One to get Peter Schiff back on. Two to not get Peter Schiff well, back well, on. The only reason I, I say we like, can get him. We've had him three, four oh, times. Sure. We can get him. I just say it like that because every time it's just you know he's he's on he's on that gold train and and but now it's actually worth talking about you know so maybe. Um, hey Spencer, I, I'll I'll put you in charge. A lot of uh, ones coming. Yeah. All right. No, there's a few too. Oh, stock hands. All stock hands saying too. He's a, he's a you device. Nah, you he's can't okay. do that. You can only answer once. <laughs> Spencer, <laughs> I'll let you handle it. Okay. Oh, You're in charge of uh, reaching out. Joel's scared of the Peter Schiff interview. No, it's just a, it's just a lot of emails. And you know I will I, tell you one thing. Like we'll nobody have you can get talk him, better than Peter Schiff. You know, I, I've always thought, you know, when he gets on CNBC and he goes head to head with somebody else, I always feel sorry for the other guy arguing because Peter Schiff can argue. That person can talk, man, and he will argue his point and he will make his point perfectly well heard. Uh, he can argue. You never want to be on the other side of Peter Schiff. Well, he's been making it for 20 years, so I imagine he's pretty. Uh... It all makes sense. I've read his books. I'm a Peter Schiff fan. I mean, I've read some of Peter Schiff's stuff. I, I, you know, I bought his book, uh, The Crash Proof, and it all makes perfect sense, except it just never came to fruition. So maybe this is the time. Maybe this is actually the time, because he's been calling gold to go to 5,000 for a decade. It's gone nowhere. But you know what? Starting to shine. So, hey, you know, maybe Peter Schiff, this is his time. So, yeah, get him on. Let's all get right. him on. This is officially more metals than we've talked on the last year. Let's we never talk metals. It's too boring. But they're exciting yes. all of a sudden. 
they're shiny and stuff. Yeah, maybe we should move on here and go to the stocks. Um, let's start with earnings from yesterday. I just want to cover Snapchat real fast uh, because part of this was surprising and part of it wasn't. So in terms of numbers for Snap, uh, EPS, they lost $0.09 cents per share. That beat the estimate by a penny. Uh, sales, $454 million versus $433 million, so they beat that number as well. Daily active users up 17% on a year-over-year basis. Uh, but uh, so that sound that all sounds good, but it it wasn't actually that great, and you can see it in in the stock there. Uh, the uh, they said on the call that they got a bump initially from everyone being at home and being in quarantine, and that bump uh, receded faster than they thought it would um, in terms of daily active users, in yeah. terms of activity. Can I, can um, I give what Dennis's reply is going to be? And also, well, I just, one more thing. My mind, Joel? Think about yes. this. Think about this. How do they make money? It's all ads. What happens to advertising in a, in a, in a recession? It goes down. So um, pressure is on Snapchat here. The numbers on the surface look okay, but – if you look a little a little deeper, it wasn't all that great. And you, you can see it in the stock. Okay, Dennis is going to say, look at the run this stock had. Look at the run this stock had since March and even as of late. They were really going to have to blow it away, really blow it away to continue this rally. And the report's okay, but they didn't blow it away. So they really had high expectations. You learned really well <laughs> from me, Joel. I, I am did. a creature of habit, <laughs> and I repeat myself. You want to know why I repeat myself and say the same things over and again? Because you forget that you said it. Because it works. Yeah. <laughs> because it works. And that's why I repeat what works. And I'm always pounding the same stuff into the chat's head. It works. The stuff works. I trade all these things. I trade these strategies. I talk about you know the different stuff. Stocks run up significantly in the report. You're absolutely right. It's got to blow it away to go higher, and they didn't do it. So, Joel, perfectly, perfectly said. I, don't, I might as well just leave. You don't need me anymore. You guys know all my information. You're all in my head. So I'll just take – I'll just go on. I'm going on mute now. There I am. I'm on. Yeah, that will last about five seconds. Okay. No, uh, I don't know. Like the initial, <laughs> the initial spike down – uh, they got after hours 2130, 2191, and then people are like, oh, I missed the bottom kind of trade. You know, the people that did the, you know, the shorter term shorts. So the last dip only took you to 2250. So for me, I think if you want to get this thing at 22 bucks, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe they'll get it back down there today. But just the way it popped off there, not sure. Finding resistance here at 23 and a quarter. Let me look at yesterday's range for you. Uh, oof, long way to go. Got anywhere near 24 and a half. That's a pair of lows from Monday and Tuesday. Uh, that would be palms out on that one. And then let's see if we can find some daily support in here. I mean, I didn't want to start figuring any retracements here, uh, but I see 22.68 low. You still haven't had a chance. I see a 22 low. I don't know. I mean, 22 today, I think would be a gift for the shorts. I think 22 over the next couple of days is possible. Stock's still hot, so it's still yep. an uptrend. So you're still going to have the people who want to buy the dip on anything that's in an overall uptrend. I've never got the story. I don't get Neither it. do I. You know, they don't make money. Um, I think it's, you know, something that, you know, people are used a lot more. You heard a lot more about their, you know, hot dog and all the other things years ago. I don't hear that much about Snapchat anymore. So I don't totally get it why it's why it's so hot now, but you know, maybe it disappears, right, Spencer? It's just the one that like you send it and it disappears. Yeah. 
yeah, Facebook essentially copied that feature, but yes, that's 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 weird. I don't know. Why would you send something if you wanted it to disappear? Unless it wasn't, unless it was naughty it, or something. It's uh, it, it uh, it's hard to explain. It's like um, it's it's something that you you communicate if you want to communicate something that's like so minor in your life and like, hey, here's a quick thing. I was thinking of you. Boom, and then just move on. I don't know. It's just another way to communicate. Okay. All right. Uh, de- obviously, Dennis and I don't participate on it. Uh, or really know much about it, but hey, had a nice run down twenty-two. That's my level. What about what else do we have after the close? Uh, less eventful from a trading standpoint, but more interesting from just an overall market standpoint is United Airlines. They reported last night. As you can imagine, the numbers were pretty darn bad. Uh, uh, EPS on an adjusted basis, they lost nine dollars and thirty-one cents per share last nine dollars. Nine dollars. They were estimated to lose nine dollars and two cents. Sales one point four eight versus one point three two billion dollars. So um, they came in above the low bar on, in terms of just revenue. Uh, what else did they? Impressive. Say? They said that Most their impressive. they said that their daily cash burn for the quarter averaged uh, forty million dollars a day, uh, and they expect their uh, cash burn for this quarter to be twenty five million dollars per day. Um, they That's see, good news, Joel. They they see capacity falling sixty five percent year over year during this quarter. Uh, they do have enough cash. They said to, they good, good, good through this. But um, oh, when is it going to end? When when's through this? Is that next week? Next until, month? Until a vaccine is available, however long that takes. Oh, Jesus Murphy, Dennis, I'll let you take this one. I'm not invest. It's not investable for me. I know, you know, people can say it's going to come back. They've went bankrupt before, and if there's ever a time it's going to go bankrupt again, it's going to be through this whole you know crisis. So, however, you know, if we get a vaccine tomorrow, and you know, obviously, good positive vaccine news every day, Pfizer today. So, you know, maybe, but you know, as a trade, if this thing ever takes out the 29, 23 low of the move, I see that, yeah. you do not want to be long this. So I would say if you are along this and you're saying eventually it's coming back, have yourself a stop out under 29, 23. You're risking yourself 10%, but I'm not, I'm not playing this one. Not from the long side. Yeah. And I, and I'm looking at it, you know, converse, you know, if you want to own it, I mean, this 30 looks like it's been, you know, it's bounced above 30 below 30. Uh, you mentioned that 29, 23 low, not much pre-market action. I mean, it's just, it's just a pure speculative play if you're buying this. And um, I think, and we also mentioned this several times. Yeah. Well, the passenger, you know, vacation travel is going to come back right at some point. But what about the business travel? When you travel on business, you got to spend money to get to the airport. You got to spend money to park at the airport. You got to spend money to fly. The food and drinks are very expensive at the airport. Then you got to take a cab. Then you got to go to a hotel. And then it's more, I mean, you're just talking companies. Maybe why these companies have a good earnings. They're slashing their transportation budget by 85%. So, um, yeah, never owned any airlines, never going to. It's uh, tough. It's yep. tough. I, I will go in if we get a vaccine. Yep. Or we get, you know, that we're looking like, hey, we're going to beat this COVID thing. These things are all buys, but we're a long ways away from there, I think. So I think if you're buying here now, yeah, there's support. And maybe, you know, this market is just strong enough that, you know, these companies can keep burning cash like they are and they're going to find more buyers because they can raise more cash. But dilution is probably still to come for United Airlines. All the airlines are just really tough trades for the. For the 
really tough from investments as well right now, even though they're, they look cheap from a, you know, from a fundamental basis, if you're looking at last year's earnings, but you can't look at last year's earnings. All right. Uh, just a little bit look behind me here and I see Bill Ackman on CNBC pumping up his, uh, his IPO today of his special. When does it come out? Company uh, today. I don't know the time. It's uh, going to be listed today. We don't even know the, the ticker. I'm, I'm pretty sure the ticker is going to be what a uh, PSTH, but we don't have a confirmed ticker yet. But again, this is just a blank check. So Dennis, you were saying on the pre pre-market show that it'll probably run today, but only because it's Bill Ackman, but it so it's going to open for trading today because I don't know the st- I'm not been following the story. I know Ackman's account with this back, but I haven't been following timelines on this. Yeah, so. uh, I mean he's on CNBC right now talking about it, so I, I'm imagining it's going it's to open today. Um, and either way, when Bill Ackman's back comes out there, it's going to be hot. It's Bill Ackman. It doesn't matter that he doesn't bought anything yet. It's Bill Ackman. He's hot. Bill Ackman is you know it's set right now from hedge fund managers when I'm looking. The 13 F's coming out when they come out on the Friday night. I look for two. Warren Buffett, Bill Ackman. Those are your two movers. So he's a step down right now. He's been hot as hell. He's a step down from Warren Buffett. So, um, you know, from an influential perspective. What about... So uh, it's going to go. But, I mean, are you going to be able to get in? Where is it going to, you know, it's 10 bucks. You know, the $10. It's $10. That's what they're worth. Yeah, that's what the cash is worth, but it's got Bill Ackman behind it. So Bill, the Bill Ackman story is they think he's going to probably invest in something pretty cool. Can we can we do a SPAC? Sure. We just have the Benzinga to, SPAC. We, we just have to decide within, what, a year or two what to buy? I don't know if, we, if we're I, I, You need a little on. bit of money, right? We're going to buy pre-market prep. <laughs> okay. Uh, you guys understand these. You guys are investing in these. Dennis, you're in this LCA. Um, I'm in a few of them. You're in a I'm few of them. I'm not only an LCA. I'm an LCA. I bought the SHLL yesterday. Leaning SHLL is short term, though not in the long. LCA is stuck in the long term. Shell, shell. We'll call it Shell. Portis acquisition or whatever the hell it's going to be. SHLL. I just like the setup. I was like, I got an out at 21. So I bought it, and I'm leaning at 21. If it trades, trades below 21, I'm going to sell it. LCA, I believe in that story because we know what LCA is going to be. It's going to be Golden Nuggets. It's going to be online gaming. It's going to, you know, have a participation in the sports betting part of it. I mean, I think it's DraftKings part two. I like LCA. It went up again a little bit for a while yesterday. It's highly speculative. So don't put any money any, in anything. Don't put the money you can't afford to lose. But I think, I, I think it's a good one. I'm a fan. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, it just, you know, they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to take over the company and they're going to, whatever, change the symbol. And the company that taking over or being a part of has to be profitable, right? That, I mean, LCA really isn't even a SPAC anymore, really. Like, I mean, it came as a company. SPAC, but it's, it's going to be Golden Nugget. So we know what it's going to be. I mean, you know, Aquin SPAC is, we don't know what he's going to buy with it. So, you know, it's the wild card of the mystery box. It could be anything. But he's a pretty smart guy. So, you know, that's why I think it'll be hot just because they're like, hey, you really, when you're buying a SPAC, you're buying the management team is really what you're buying. Because that's, you know, especially have you ever you been in the, be. have you ever been in the Golden Nugget in Vegas? I've been to the. Is gold. that is that uh in old Vegas? I've been to the Gold Nugget in the winter. Is that is that that's not is that's that's like in um oh what's it called old Vegas? I'm losing the I'm getting old. I'm starting to lose the names and stuff. Fremont. I'm Fremont. Fremont. Is that is, is it, that where Gold Nugget is? 
No, uh, I think yeah, I, yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty. It sure. is. I, I've been I to the one. Spot over on you need you need to take a shower once you leave that place. Come on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I, every I, casino. I've been, the one, I've been the one in AC, and uh, they don't let you smoke as much as they used to in all of them, though. It used to be the smoke that got you. So you go down these, and it's like, oh, cut the cloud of smoke to get to the slot machine. So do they still let you smoke? Uh, yes, they do. Well, I mean, you, on you, Fremont, you inside the casinos? Casinos in general? Yeah. No, I didn't know if they let you do Because uh, you don't smell smoke in the main ones. Like, they don't let you smoke in MGM, do they? Uh, do they still let you smoke in MGM sure do, and the big yeah. ones inside? Uh, you know what? I think they have smoking sections. That's what yeah, I don't think it's – it used to be everywhere. Right. But I don't think it's that way anymore. Yeah. I, I, haven't been, I haven't been in Vegas in like five, six years, so it's probably all changed. The one thing I didn't like last time I was in Vegas was going to the casinos is they're like putting that scented perfume into the air all the time. So you go in there, it's like you, you know, you're, you're breathing oxygen, but it's like scented oxygen. I like the smell of it. Anyways, this is a bad tangent. So bring us back. Bring us Come on, in. Spencer. We got Tesla earnings tonight, or we got Microsoft earnings tonight. We got oh, it's Chipotle, why don't we talk, Las why don't we, Vegas Sands. Let's talk Tesla. You want to talk Tesla now? We're going to talk Tesla twice. We're going to talk it. We have a guest coming on at 9 o'clock who's going to talk Tesla, but I want to talk Tesla too. Let's talk okay. to Tesla. Okay. What do you want to say? SLA, bring her up. Crazy. Crazy stock consolidation station was in two days ago when Spencer Israel made the call. We pulled back yesterday. So we get the little pop here, a little pre-earnings run. What's going to happen tonight, though, when the fireworks go off and it has earnings? Is it going to move the 250 bucks? speculators are saying, on the straddle? I think less. I don't think it's moving 250 bucks. I'm almost tempted to come in and get my straddle riding shoes on and do it again. What do you think, Joel? You think it's moving 250 off earnings? I don't think so. Uh, I think the straddle's a good right. That's just my opinion. If it's 250 still, and we checked it yesterday, I believe it was 250. And if anybody can verify that, I think the straddle's a good right at 250 bucks. Well, it's only you know it's 125 up, 125 down. So, um... but if you're right for 250, you're good. If you rate both, you're good down to 12. What's the air math on that? 213. You're down 1310. 13, you know, if you're looking at it, I guess, yeah, I'm looking at it from the closing basis. So 13.10, and then you're good all the way up. You're making your scratch of 13.10, and then if you're 250 up, you're scratching 19, almost 1,900 bucks. Okay. Oh, 19.10. 13.10 to 19.10. That sounds can... pretty good. Uh, Spencer, give me the I, – I, not for, I don't know. I mean, this thing could, could... two twenty five. Jeff is saying so. It has come in a little. Yeah, bit. yeah, it has come in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, not quite good to those levels. It, what if they, if they totally fall flat on their face? Which uh, Spencer, what was that news that was out yesterday? I mean, I know we had a downgrade that didn't move it. I know there was some uh, some tech selling. Was it uh, Gordon sent us a note, and it just wasn't Gordon. There something about uh, doing something to make numbers. I'm. Spent, can you uh, that? Gordon, yeah, Gordon sent us in. So they did catch a downgrade for whatever that's worth. Probably nothing yesterday from JMP Securities, but that was talked about in the morning. And then in the afternoon, uh, Gordon Johnson, who's been bearish, has been on our show, uh, came out with his report that said that they had heavily discounted uh, fleet sales in order to make their number. The only real question here for Tesla is: Do they make? Did they make money last quarter? That's it. Because if they did make money, then that means they're probably in the S&P 500. 
that that's if, the big thing. If they did make is, money, then they're not in. It's really it really is that I think that's simple. Everybody's really interested on whether this is going to go into the S and P five hundred or not. I mean, and I had a question. You know, what is the relevance really? You know, you're getting into the S and P five hundred. Um, this was a question from somebody, you know, on my Twitter account was asking me about this. I mean, because all the indexers got to buy yep. them. So that's, you know, yep. really the that's... main reason, but I'll tell you sometimes, you know, it's in the other indexes and when it comes out of one, it goes into the other. Sometimes the index effects, believe it or not, can be negative. So you've got to look and you know, and, and analyze it from the index perspective, but I have seen stocks get added to the S and P 500 and go they down. Go down. Yep. Yes. It all depends on what the overall, you know, buy sell, you know, ratio is because when you're in, you're getting added to this, you're coming out of another index. So if it was more, you know, shares in SP 500 is why they own, but people think that just because you go in the SP 500, you're automatically going to go up another five, 10%. Used to it's be. not the case. Yeah. It used to always be that way. It's not the case. Sometimes I, I, I used to, you know, there used to, be, used to be an algo that would trade off that and the S and P five, you know, ads come in. You know, they come in randomly and, you know, from S&P and sometimes, you know, they're ads, sometimes they're deletes. It used to be a slam dunk out of the S&P 500. It's going up 5%. That algo has stopped running. You know why that algo stopped running? Because they don't always go up anymore on it. So just because it's getting added to the S&P 500 doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to fly up 20% the next day. I wouldn't be surprised with this much rumors on it, you know, that a lot of it potentially is already baked in. So it's hard to say the effect here, um, but the earnings matter. Like you said, Spencer, they need to show profit to try to, you know, to, to meet the requirements to be added to the S&P 500. Are they going to show that profit? I think so. Um, I, I think they'll make it happen. I think Tesla is another way to make it happen. Because everyone says it's more than a car company, right? It's a technology company, right? That's the big. So when they give their earnings, do they break down what they make from the, you know, the car and the auto sales and what they make from all these other technologies and things. Do they, well, do they disclose that? Well, the, I mean, the, the car is the moneymaker, right? But I thought it's, I thought it's a tech company. I thought it's a computer on wheels. I thought that that, right. that is why people, I, I get confused because I hear it's a car company and all these great car sales and I'm here. Oh no, you don't want to own it. it you know, uh, you want to well, own it. just people trying to company. justify the valuation too. Yeah. I would like to see what their tech sales are. You know, I um, personally, I wouldn't write that straddle, Dennis, because, you know, if there's other a stock that, you know, full disclosure and I own it and not selling it, but I, I look at this chart, why not go to 1200? Why not take this thing through down? Or the other way. Maybe they or actually the other come way. out and make yeah. more money and that thing goes to 2500. Yeah. I mean, it could happen. I'll so, tell you, Dennis, what you're better off than doing that straddle is if this rips, like a, I would rather re let you, you'll have it Rick in the pre month, you know, when, or after hours when it happens, maybe rip up like the 1200 or what's the old time high. Just get like a huge boost and then lay into it as opposed to going, you know, the, going into the straddle. That's what I think. I, um, you know, I kind of like the idea because I don't think it's going that much. Um, but it's a high risk play. There's nothing riskier than writing straddles, yep. especially when you leave them open-ended because the thing could go anywhere. So you do have to keep that in consideration, obviously, if you're writing the straddle that, and what we mean is by writing the straddle, writing the call and the put at the same strike and, you know, for the week. So, 
for, for the week, that's the most important thing here. <laughs> well, through the earnings. They're taking it through the earnings. We're doing the weekly, right in the call and right in the put. And that's where we get the expected move. You just add up the premiums, and that's the expected move. It's 225 points. If you say it's not, you think it's not going to go 225 points, the straddle rate isn't a good play. But if it takes off 500 points, you lose you a lose ton of money. money. <laughs> so, and you know, you're, you're taking in that premium and then you're obviously right open after that. So for, for losses. So it's, it's, Tough. it's a, it's a risky strategy. Like I said, I've had mis, mixed success on it. I had some success for a while and I got just burned on an apple right once. And I've been kind of, uh, hands off on straddle rating ever since just you know burned on it so you get burned on something you lay off it but i think i don't think it's going 250 points so i think the straddle raters are going to make my okay. just my That's opinion it. all right i'm going to bring on our guest now uh nate tobik he is a fundamental investor he's the founder of uh, completebankdata.com also the author of the bank investors handbook uh nate good morning oh, let me make sure you're on mute here i think your microphone's muted let's get that undone uh, I see you, but I don't hear you. There we go. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Uh, good. Nate, you're a fundamental guy. You you look at Tesla. What do you see? <laughs> I I have um, you know Dennis talks about being burned. I've been burned uh, <laughs> short on and off. Um, you know sometimes I'd flip to being long and and ride the wave. Uh, I did not ride the wave enough. So you know I I think I have a a few small puts out there just just for the black swan right and otherwise it's um you know i like you said i think they will do whatever they have to do to show a profit and if that is you know selling cars to friends and family and themselves and you know whatever uh they i think they're going to show the profit too they'll do it and um it you know that's what matters to them and you know ultimately I think it's probably a house of cards that at some point will finally tip over uh, as these things get bigger, but um, you know, it hasn't happened yet and we'll, we'll just see. So right, Nate, let's, let's yeah, take it back to where, you know, where, where you are. Let's talk banks. And obviously, you know, you, you, you follow the sector closely there. What are you looking at here? I mean, if we just look over and obviously, you know, you, we, we talk regionals, we talk smaller banks sometimes, but I mean, Look at, you know, what are you thinking, first of all, banking sector overall? Right. So it's, um, I, I think there's going to be a big divergence between the winners and the losers. And, um, you know, so long term, there is a really negative outlook in terms of, of the rate pressure. And, um, you know, if you think of, of where mortgage rates are now below three, uh, most banks are really going to struggle to make any money on a mortgage like that. Um, likewise, commercial rates are around four, sometimes four and a quarter. And uh, a bank could do okay on that. The problem is, uh, you know, where's that commercial loan demand gonna come from? Uh, right now, uh, a lot of, you know, so you have bigger companies, which uh, a lot of bigger companies are, are doing well. Banks that service those, those bigger companies and um, are doing larger loans in size are, are gonna be okay. Right, and um, when you start to get to banks that are dealing with smaller companies that have really been hit hard by COVID, th there's just not loan demand there. Uh, so, you know, long term, I, I think the outlook is is pretty negative on these banks. Uh, short term, though, there are a lot of things that are causing these things to pop. So you you do have the mortgage refinance 
uh, boom, which is going on right now. And a bank could make a few percentage points on that. And um, yeah, I mean, so for example, US Bancor, they, they were hit pretty hard with provisions. Uh, fee income was up a lot. And, um, you know, the stock is still at, uh, it's like 1.2 times book versus, uh, you know, look at like a region's financial. They had a lot of provisions, uh, reported a loss, and they're uh, trading at like 65% of book. So, you know, half the valuation and, um, you know, both regional sort of similar size banks and just kind of how one's taking it versus the other. Um, so it, it's, you know, overall it's, it's a negative outlook. Um, we, but we do have the, the mortgage refinance boom and the, um, the payroll protection loans, which that is going to juice a lot of banks, uh, revenue significantly in a quarter. Um, so you have those positives and then, um, kind of the, the underlying things are deteriorating and we really haven't seen the effects of, um, of COVID on these loan books. And so, you know, let me just walk through like a real quick example. So if you, let's just say uh, you had a job and everything was going great up until March and then you decided, uh, or you were laid off and um, the company folded, we'll say, uh, but the bank was able to, they said, well, you know, since you're on lockdown, we'll just extend your mortgage and um, grant forbearance and it's not going to be a big deal. So that's finally coming due, right? So that mortgage, they said, we're just going to, um, you know, ignore it, right? We'll just, we'll let, we'll let the chips fall and we'll settle that up come July. So you haven't paid on it now. And um, the the note is, is currently, you know, it's current, right? And then, so it's going to take three more months before they're going to recognize that as a non-performing note. And uh, so we're looking at now, uh, you know, say October, and um, and that's going to be a hit in Q4 earnings, which is really going to be reflected in the earnings release uh, sometime next year, sometimes in, in the first quarter next year. So uh, there's a huge lag between what happened earlier this year and when that might appear on a, a bank's balance sheet. Um, now the upside to that is banks have had, they know what's going on and they've had enough time. It's possible they're going to get out in front of it and uh, they've been over reserving and um, they might be able to have the reserves to, to really run through this in a lot of cases. So banks that are, that are solid earners uh, that have a lot of earning power and a, a diverse product mix, I think are gonna be perfectly fine and they're gonna be able to reserve their way through it. Um, banks that really were kind of running close to the edge, I think are gonna have, have a significant problem over the next six months to a year. We're on the line with Nate Tobik. He's an investor and founder of CompleteBankData.com. He also wrote a book, the author of the Bank Investor's Handbook. Uh, Nate, I, I mean, to me, uh, you know, the, the potential, you know, bankruptcies. I mean, people are not paying their mortgages. I think about the New York City real estate market, okay? I have, uh, I have nieces that, are, uh, that live there and they're paying this rent. They're not living there. They're living outside the city. I mean, you're just talking about 
billions and billions of dollars in rent that's not going to be recovered. And then I drive around, you know, my local area and I see all these retail stores closed. And a lot of these mom pops are just on shoestrings. I mean, is it there, is there any way to measure that this is, to me, it's almost an insurmountable debt uh, that's out there that it's just not going to get repaid. How can the banks possibly have enough reserves to cover you know, the, the, the REIT, the apartment market, the housing market, the retail market, to me, it, it just seems insurmountable. It, I, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I, anecdotally, I see the exact same thing. And, um, you know, talking to people who are even doing real estate development, I say, you know, we have some projects finishing up this year, and there's really nothing coming up next year. And uh, there's just there isn't the demand and, and it is, it, it's the dominoes. So you say, um, I saw an article yesterday that said it was something like 16% of uh, New Yorkers are, are planning on moving. I mean, that's a, that's a huge amount, right? And so you say, you know, what's that going to do to property values and that knocks down property values. And um, that, that's like that anywhere. And I think, so in looking at, uh, banks, kind of the base case scenario that, that analysts look at is that we will not get this domino effect. Um, and so when I, I've kind of built out a couple scenarios I go by, when I do look at the, the domino effect, um, yes, there's going to be a lot of bankruptcies. And, uh, you know, you had the XLF up there. That's probably not a bad short to, to just ride that one down. Um, there's a ton of headwinds. And it, it's, it's going to be, you know, so the headwinds are you have a lot of, there's no loan demand and you have a lot of banks that are struggling with bad loans and they're going to try and sell these properties into a market where no one really wants to buy them. So um, what I think is, you know, it's, what's really interesting is what we're seeing in some of these cities like in Minneapolis or Portland, those marquee properties in the center of town really aren't marquee anymore. And they're going to take a big hit on value. Whereas, um, so, you know, outside of town and in more rural areas, uh, what I've been hearing is demand is off the charts. And I actually heard that from someone uh, very recently on rural demand. They said um, people trying to build on empty lots uh, out in, you know, the, I don't know what you, the exurbs or, um, kind of the area, but you're, you're not quite in the country, but you're not really in a suburb. Uh, it said it's, it's just going crazy. And, uh, you know, so a lot of people have been stuck at home and they said, this is not the home I want to be stuck in for the next 10 years. <laughs> they, they want something else. And so um, there's a lot of demand, but it is not in the city centers and banks that went heavy into the city center lending are, are really going to be having a problem. They're, the same with um, banks that have a lot of hospitality loans um, and hospitality REITs. Those are, I think some of those are, are terminal shorts. Um, but Do you have a couple of names that you're looking at that I, are really overexposed here from the short I mean, I, I've been riding um, Hersha Hospitality Trust, HT. I, yep. I've been riding those guys down. They, Which um, ones? Which ones? HT. 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 So they, they own... Uh, high-end hotels in in a bunch of cities you know it's uh it's like dc new york seattle um and they're very reliant on business travel the thing that's interesting with them is uh 
they operate their own hotels, they were losing money before COVID. They, and so if you're losing money before COVID, this is not going to help you, especially if you can't offload those operating costs onto someone else. And um, I, I think that they are going to have a lot of problems and um, you know, the expectations baked into them right now at, at what are they at five and a half, six dollars a share. I think it's unrealistic. Uh, when it hit uh, two or three dollars a share, that was probably more accurate. And um, so that we'll, we'll see what happens with them. Yeah, Marriott as well. I, I was just talking to someone who was looking at um, needed to make an out of town trip. Said, "What about a Marriott?" They said, I, "It'll never happen. We we wouldn't even call them to stay there. You're looking for something, something else." So, um, and what you, is, why wouldn't they go to a Marriott? They they just so they um, scared of the virus. They, yeah, scared of the virus. Oh, and they, okay. They had the. Um, you know, they, they, were, they owned a bunch of the timeshares and everything. I said, well, what about staying at the, you know, your timeshare? They said, no, we're, we're just going to let it ride. We'll pay the fee. We're not, we're not staying in the timeshare. So, you know, if you think about brand loyalty, they probably have the most brand loyalty of anyone. They, they have the credit cards. They have the, um, the timeshares. And when it comes to an out-of-town trip, it's, we're not going to be staying there. Uh, Nate, real fast, what, just, what about any REITs that maybe have exposure to like universities and colleges? Uh, any on your radar for that? I, you know, that's a, I don't have specific names. That's a good, um, that's a good point. And, um, you know, so there's a lot of, I think what's interesting is like, there's a lot of small town banks that people try and play the, uh, the college town angle on. Yeah. The, the reality is most college students are banking where their parents banked or they're banking at a larger regional bank that has branches in the college town. They're not banking at, uh, you know, first bank and trust of, of college city. Yeah. So um, I don't think that's now what will happen to those, to those small banks though, is they're going to get the domino effect from the landlords because as college students aren't going back, no one is renting out those, buildings those houses sure. and then they're just going to end up having to default on the what debt. do you think about this american campus communities here um i i mean i'm just whew, that was a little bit of a retracement there i mean yeah. i just think the what's whole that one got in it? what you say do we know what that has in it that read it american has campus, college like, campuses is oh this is yeah campuses? yeah yeah I mean, how could you be thrilled about that? I mean, for years, for years, you know, I, I, my dad and I thought, wouldn't it be the greatest investment to like buy a cheap house in Ann Arbor, you know, and just sit on it for years and years and years. And you know what? It was a good investment for years and years and years and years and years. And now, you know what? I'm glad I don't own a slew of houses in Ann Arbor, especially since the landlords never did anything to take care of them. And plus, there's more supply coming on. They're building these all these apartment buildings. And you're going to, I mean, maybe in a year or two, things will return to regular uh, occupancy. But, I mean, there's some of the, the, in Ann Arbor, they're trying to sell apartments like it's Chicago or New York City. And they were yep. getting out-of-state students to pay this. That could have happened now? No, no, uh, no way. <laughs> no, 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 no those way. are, and you can't survive. A landlord can't survive two years without no. rent. There's no way that's there. Yeah. 
Well, maybe some of these Ann Arbor landlords can because they've had them for like ever and they've never put any money into it and they spend a lot of money. But I mean, the no. bottom line on all this, though, is when is the vaccine coming? Because if we you know, yes. get the vaccine and it works and everybody's confident to go back to the way they were living before a year from now, then a lot of these, you know, things could be buys. But it, yeah. it's, it's how long you know, that, that it takes to get to the comfort level for people to go back to the way they were living prior to March. I mean, that's the big question. I don't know if anybody knows the answer to that. So that's why you've got people that are buying these things thinking, hey, eventually we're going to go back to normal and it's going to be cheap. And you have people, you know, like, and I'm kind of on the same side as Nate here saying, this could take a while. And, you know, some of these, you know, banks and some of these REITs could be in a lot of trouble if this takes more than a year or two. Yeah, yeah, and and in some ways, if that is your view, some of these prices are almost a gift because if you look out and say, say, you know, American campus communities, even right now, a lot of colleges they're they're still kind of back and forth between we're going to be open, we're not going to be open, but once they say they're not going to be open, oh. parents aren't going to be paying rent for this year, and you know now they have the they've right. got the mortgage that is still due it the the mortgage doesn't go away and um you know so their choice is to to somehow raise more money and try and stretch this out another year because they don't have it they have to wait until next august it isn't like people are going to come back in february it it's kind of an all or nothing and um so there there's a lot of um this this is kind of a good i'm i'm going to hunt the, these down the uh the campus reach. Okay. that's a good oh, true. all right we'll that's get you back good, there we good go. path yeah the founder of completebankdata.com author of the bank investors handbook nate and as, as always thanks for the time yeah thanks for having me on all right and he got an idea from us look at that all right uh just a few moments ago while nate was on blnk blasted off here uh pr from the company that they won a grant to deploy 200 uh charging stations across the mid-Atlantic region. So BLNK blasted off to, it's approaching $8, it's maybe mid sevens right now. But if you're wondering why- It's a play on electric cars. How, yeah. did we not, how did we not talk about this stock before? Well, because it's, you know, it must've had some reverse splits because look at where it was. Well, <laughs> maybe not, it was $100 back in 2013. So Higher than that. Right. But these things can, you know, get ripping, they can really go. I'd say if you are buying the rip here, I'd be cautious just around the 850 area, but it's things carry on stories. Like it's nuts. I mean, and we you know we can talk about some of these moves off Kramer, off of Mad Money, um, because it's just showing you like there's, you know, algos that are getting driving the stories. There is retail driving the stories. When the story gets hot, it can go a hell of a lot further than you think it should. Uh, we did get to 850 on July 6, probably on some similar news. We haven't hit that yet. That day it closed at 840. That was a big volume day, and then people changed their mind almost immediately. You had a lower open, sold off to that area. So 850. Well, where did we get to on this spike? Only got to 755. So these 850 to keep going. Let's see if it can do that. Nice pop though. Nice catch, Spencer. All right, uh, let's do Microsoft here real fast. They do report after yep. close today. I imagine they will. Uh, that will impact sentiment on just the rest of big tech and the fang names or whatever you want to call the big tech group. But this could have an outsized effect here. It always, it's Microsoft. It, it always does. It's going to lead. You know, So we're at the crossroads here on tech. And 
we, we, we saw the big sell-off a week ago. Tech went out of favor, had a bad week, was down 5 6%. And the overall S&P was up. So you had this rotation from tech to value. We're talking last week. Yesterday, that trade came off. You know, Monday, that trade came off in a hurry because obviously we had a significant spike in tech. But a lot of stocks did not make new highs. QQQ index did not make a new high. 269.79 did not make a new high and then kind of faded after the open yesterday. So you're at the crossroads and you have tech investors saying, okay, is this trade still going or did we top out and um, you know we're not gonna make new highs? I thought Monday morning that we were because we had such a good day on Monday and then Tuesday they kind of pulled the rug out from under that. So right now we're at the crossroads. Microsoft, I'm gonna say, is more important to the tech sector than Tesla. Tesla is gonna be the storied stock. It'll get more of the headlines. But Microsoft, they really want to know how they did in this quarter because we've been crowding into these stay-at-home plays and they've deemed Microsoft a stay-at-home play as well with the gaming, obviously with the cloud, with everything that Microsoft does, um, even from a computer and PC perspective. um, You know, they've, they've got a lot of businesses that probably weren't directly impacted from COVID. So they've classified Microsoft as a stay-at-home play. Did it beat the quarter? And is it really, you know, did they really kill it? That's the question. Um, If they did, I think you see the stock pop. And I think you obviously see the cues follow suit. So Microsoft matters big time, not only to Microsoft shareholders, but to the entire tech market tonight. Watch that report. On a personal note, I'm I'm getting kind of tired. I'm still logging too on a personal note. I'm tired of Microsoft. Um, (laughs) You're tired of the post office. You're tired of Microsoft. You're not they're tired ch- of Tesla. No, no, it's just Why like are you tired of Microsoft? Talk to Well, because it's like, oh, first of all, like, you do an update on your computer, okay? It takes a week. I can never do it in the morning. And now that it's like, you know, they want me to sign into OneDrive and they want me to do this and they, and it's like. Just, just ignore all that. That's what everyone else does. I try and ignore <laughs> it all and then I can't get on my damn computer. So I don't, you know, I mean, I try and have passwords. I try and have things and it's like, oh no, you need to do this. Oh, you need to reset password. I don't even know what the hell my passwords are and they want me to reset them. So they're really trying to, they're trying to take over my computer and uh, <laughs> they're spying on you, Joel. They, yeah, they, what do you they, mean? They all are. They are your computer. <laughs> no, they're worse. They're worse at Facebook. I know Facebook listens to your conversations, but Microsoft, man, I'll tell you. I don't know. Two sixteen thirty-eight is the all-time high. This thing's had one heck of a run. Uh, I do not own it. If I did own it, I'd get some really nice calls or call spreads or something way out of the money and sell it. Buying puts is always. I'm tough. just holding. I don't think I'm gonna write calls. I'm just holding through it. Yeah. I'm gonna hold through this, the earnings storm here tonight. We'll see what happens. Um, obviously, been in this since. They March. always blow it away, don't they? I mean, always. Don't they beat and beat by like twenty? But it hasn't cents? run up into the report, really. So if they, this isn't one like, and you can say snap. You know, had obviously it's run for the last you know little while. So I guess that you could say it's run in the last three months, but everything has. But it hasn't run the last three days, really. I guess it was a little pop, but that was with the overall Nasdaq. I. I I think if they beat like like significantly, I think the stock will actually lift on it. I mean, that's what it's been doing. I mean, fading it is going against the trend. I think it could lift. I'm holding. I'm holding. And like Skype is a pain in the butt to use too. Well, now. Skype, they really dropped the ball. I mean, they could have been Zoom. Skype could have been Zoom if they would have cleaned it up and did a better job with that. And they dropped the ball. Microsoft knows, and now they've moved on to Teams. 
and they're trying to figure it out, but they're chasing Zoom. I mean, with as many smart people at Microsoft, there was no reason that Microsoft's product couldn't have been a Zoom. And Skype was just, who uses Skype anymore? I mean, it's just been a disappointment. Well, if I could find my password. <laughs> I can't find any of the passwords, but, you know, Skype's tough. Right, uh, um, we'll, it, there's we'll, so many better, you know, messengers. There's so much better ways to communicate. Zoom, obviously, we love Zoom. We use it every day. Valuation's the only reason I don't own stock, but Microsoft dropped the ball Skype. We're going to talk more Tesla in a minute here with our next guest, Tasha Keeney. Between uh, now and then, let's just do a, one or two more Chipotle. Speaking of run-ups, they report today, massive run-up into the into earnings. Not sure what you can say about it besides that. It's just a stock that's loved, so if it does drop on it, they'll probably find buyers again. I have no idea why they give Chipotle the pass. They always give them the pass. I don't think they killed it as much as everybody thinks they're going to kill it this quarter. I think they're going to disappoint. Um you know, they, yes, they have drive-through, but there's, there's got to be right, maybe the the number. I heard they're hiring. Up. I heard they're hiring a thousand people, Dennis. I think I saw that. I think they're. You think they've been killing it? I I, I don't know. I I had their burrito once and I didn't like it. I don't so mind not... Chipotle. I got turned off after the whole E. coli issue, and obviously we know that. But it's run like you said. It's, it's expensive. Four hundred bucks to twelve hundred. The thing's up two hundred percent, or doing the three. Yeah, nine bucks for a burrito, or eleven bucks for a the thing's burrito. Things up two hundred percent in three months. Yeah, I, yeah. I've, and, I've never I don't been... think they killed it. I wouldn't want to own Chipotle in the quarter. I could. I, it's it's still a coin flip. Like I don't know where they what, what are they expected to make. Is it supposed to blow it away or what? Let me tell you real. Fast. I don't know we've been wrong on Chipotle for a long time. We so have. Good, me and Joel, so. don't listen to us on Chipotle. Yeah. Bye. Uh, go long. Go yeah, long into it, the report. The estimate is they will earn nineteen cents per share on revenue of one point three billion. I'm very, 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 very torn on this one. So we'll just say that I'm not going to play it into it. But I think, just if I am looking at it, I think, I think they could miss. All right. There My we go. thoughts. All right. Uh, I want to bring on our, our next guest now, as I just uh, just teased it, Tasha Keeney. She's an analyst in ARK Invest. Uh, she covers the whole uh, autonomous technology robotics whatever you want to call it space um get, get her uh get her video up here and see if we can hear her and uh see her as zoom is being mildly buggy right now so <laughs> bear with me folks as i work to try to bring tasha on right now uh as i mentioned at the top of the show she uh she covers tesla and uh they report so we want to get some more of a fundamental uh, view on the company just ahead of the report here today. Let's see. There we go. Let's see if I can get her on. Uh, there's her mic. Tasha, can you hear me? Good morning. Hi, good morning. Good. Not sure if you can uh, see me or if I can see you, but at least I hear you and that's good enough. Uh, there we go. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Tasha. Is the only question whether or not Tesla made money last quarter? Is that is that it? Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, other than, so I'm seeing earning es estimates of uh, a loss of about 10 cents, a revenue of like 5.2 billion, roughly. Um, I, I think uh, there'll be an eye on auto gross margin. I saw an expectation for like 24%. Um, I, you know, I think other, other than the bottom line, um, we are certainly wondering if we'll get an update on uh, Texas, their plans there for production. Um, my latest work on Tesla has to do with uh, ride hailing. Uh, Tesla said that they could launch a ride hailing network ahead of solving for full autonomy. So this would be basically like an Uber um, competitor. And I think they could do it really cost effectively. 
Um, and I also think the time to launch is now. I mean, like Uber and Lyft, um, th those drivers are basically looking for extra income right now. Uh, again, Tesla could vertically integrate through finance and insurance and actually do this cheaper. Um, I think they have a lot of competitive advantages to do it. So any update on that network um, would be awesome. Uh, are your, I guess, how bullish or bearish are your expectations just short term for, for today, for today's announcement and, and in the short term here in the, in the immediate future? Yeah, you know, we're, we're really long term investors. So um, we, we tend to sort of take these short term announcement announcements to sort of try to um, see if that changes our long term picture or not, which is why we sort of look for those more um, yeah, those more sort of effective announcements that'll tell us, okay, how is Tesla going to do five years from now? You know, how many cars could they actually produce in Texas? That's sort of the information that's um, most key to us. Uh, now, now, obviously, you can't ignore the massive run-up in the stock. Uh, uh, you know, I'm long the, the ARKW fund, full disclosure, and I know you guys sold a little bit of Tesla just to rebalance a little bit. You can't ignore the massive run that the stock has had. So how do you sort of factor that into your equation? Because it's at this point, it's a little insane. Yeah, um, you know, we, we took profits in the stock. Um, in, in some of our funds, basically, we have limits on um, how far a stock could run up before we trim the position. So really, just from a portfolio management perspective, um, that, that's exactly what you saw. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think since, uh, as, as we sort of done our, our research on Tesla, and as you sort of look at the, the auto industry in general, the stock has had an amazing run. Um, but really, if you think about what's happening now with the coronavirus, I mean, the company is becoming a clear leader and every other traditional automaker is going to have such a hard time putting in that extra investment um, and actually developing competitive EVs in a time where their core business um, is really on fire. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're struggling uh, just with their regular gas powered cars, let alone this new um, innovative platform that they're, they've sort of been trying to figure out for the past five years. Um, so, so I think, uh, you know, Tesla relative to the rest of the auto market um, is, is really sort of that picture is emerging and becoming more clear. All right. So you're, you're long-term bullish, maintaining that, that point of view, that thesis going into today's report. Uh, is there anything that would really concern you? Anything that they could say today that would really concern you? Um, you know, I can't think of anything on the earnings call that would happen that would really concern us, but like long-term risks with Tesla are certainly, you know, like we, we want Elon Musk to stay on as CEO. He's sort of a controversial guy. Um, you know, we've, we've, he's, he's, he's on Twitter. He's, he's sort of, you know, gotten um, in the press for some of the comments that he's made. Um, but we think he's really important to uh, the, the company and, and sort of to, to stay at the helm, especially uh, for them to reach that technological hurdle of solving for full autonomy. Um, so certainly sort of from a management perspective, um, that, that's really crucial to us. And then, um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, lo longer term, we, we just sort of like to hear sort of about their plans. Um, I, I think another risk that's, that's often that we don't often factor into our models because it's not that predictable as sort of where regulations will fall. So Tesla's had a lot of, um, you know, they have very good relationships so far. Uh, Texas is certainly really happy to have them come to the state. Um, but yeah, sort of, sort of any sort of short term um, pauses that might happen in, in Germany or sort of um, other factories that would be related to sort of political um, issues. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that's something again that we'd keep in mind for the short term um, and uh, sort of our long-term model is really focused on the economics of the technology, uh, not necessarily subsidies or anything like that. 
wrong with Tasha Keeney, analyst at ARK Invest. Uh, Tasha, you know, obviously Tesla is no longer the only game in town for, uh, for this trade, for this investment. Um, whether you want to go Nikola or any other of the recent SPACs we've, we've gotten. Uh, can you just talk to us about just the massive run we've seen in this entire trade over the last month? It's been a really hot trade. Yeah, I think, um, you know, with, with sort of these other newer players in the space, I think uh, in, in terms of why the run happened, you know, I'm not really sure, but I could, I could venture to take a guess that investors are looking at Tesla's success. They're looking at the stock price appreciating and they're sort of saying, oh, I missed out on this run. Where else can I get in on some sort of new innovative technology? Um, broadly, if we look at electric vehicles versus fuel cells, um, we've done the, um, the work on fuel cells and, and basically we've never been able to make the economics work. Um, if you look at uh, the over, say, for a semi, over the lifetime of the vehicle, like 700,000 miles, um, pretty much any way you cut it so far in our analysis, the EV looks cheaper than a fuel cell. Not to mention the infrastructure is just incredibly complicated. Um, I mean, you can charge your car at home, for instance, in the passenger market, um, but you're not going to you know, fuel up a, a fuel cell vehicle at, at home with, with hydrogen. Um, so, so that build out um, is actually much more expensive on, on sort of the public infrastructure basis as well. Um, you know, an EV station could cost, a good EV station like a supercharger could cost in the hundreds of thousands, where fuel cell stations uh, pretty much always in millions. In fact, I think Nicola said it's like 16 million per station for theirs. Um, so we, we haven't really been able to make that, that picture work so far. But, you know, in the electric vehicle space, um, we're really interested uh, sort of across the board, you know, PACAR, sort of what a, the more traditional players doing. Um, they just had their call yesterday. They talked a lot about battery electric, um, more certainly more so than they have in the past. Uh, so, so we're sort of excited to see um, some of those more traditional players uh, taking this seriously and, and sort of what their next moves are as well. A couple questions here for you, uh, one question combined. Uh, full disclosure, I am, I am long Tesla, um, long term, probably will never sell it. But one thing to consider, I mean, I hear it's a tech company, right? And, I, and that's why you got to own it, because it's a computer on wheels, it's a tech company, um, it's the future. Um, all I hear about is car sales and car deliveries. I don't hear anything about, about the tech aspect. And I go back and I think about the acquisition of Solar City, um, you know, a company that was going bankrupt and uh, was bailed out. I mean, when are, you know, if this is more than a car company, you know, when are we going to see, you know, some revenues from, right, solar panels or batteries or aren't they building a tunnel somewhere? Haven't have they attempted to build a couple tunnels? I mean, if this is, it's hard for me to own this purely as a car company. And I'm told that it's a, a technology company, a battery company, a solar company. When, you know, when are we going to start seeing returns from those different projects? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So, um, you know, you mentioned uh, the Boring Company, which we've actually done some work on too. Separate from Tesla, the private venture, the, the Tunnel Boring Company. Um, but we think that's, that's a really interesting technology because um, it's, a, it, it's basically a, a, an innovative way to circumvent traffic, which we think is going to get much worse. Um, but, you know, with Tesla broadly, um, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because I think you're right that this um, advantage in software doesn't get a lot of play. Um, but, but we are sort of seeing the early innings of it, right? Um, so, so Tesla is like, 
I think when Tesla increased the prices of certain of its autopilot packages, um, traditional automakers looked at that and thought, wow, you know, we've never been able to do that, sort of increase the price of something after the fact. Our customers wouldn't accept that. Um, and it's because no other automaker has been able to do these over-the-air updates that actually affect performance of the car. And those updates are the reason that the resale values of Tesla hold up better than any other brand, um, certainly for a mass market vehicle, at least. Um, I think for that sort of software as a service-like model, that recurring revenue model, um, Certainly, uh, if they're successful and autonomous, um, that'll be huge. Uh, you know, our, our bull case price target that's published on that is, is 15,000 by 2024 um, per share for Tesla. If they're able to successfully launch that network, we think it'll be extremely profitable. Um, but in the shorter term, again, back to that rye hail service, that could be a way to get those software as a service like margins, that high margin product. Um, but not actually solve that technological hurdle, or at least it wouldn't necessarily require it in the near term. Um, so, so that's why I think this could be such a, an interesting business line for Tesla if, if they were able to do this. But is it if they if they're like they're building these tunnels and for transportation? So, aren't we going to need less cars? I mean, doesn't that kind of work against their business model? So, for the overall auto market. Um, we think that actually car sales will, um, in the developed world, they might have already peaked. Mm -hmm. um, if you think that autonomous driving is going to happen, fully autonomous driving, um, because you're right, personal cars get used less than 5% of the day. Um, an autonomous car could get a utilization even higher than today's taxi, say like 50%. So then you can solve the needs of, say, like eight or nine people with one vehicle um, versus eight. Um, so we think that auto sales in the um, developing world will still increase, but at a slower rate than people expect today. And in the developed world, they actually already could have peaked. Um, but, uh, you know, with, within that um, sort of space, uh, you know, Tesla still has a lot of room to run. Electric vehicles are a very small percentage of auto sales today. Um, we think that, you know, that could go to over 30 million in the next five years, um, the EV market because uh, they're basically just getting cheaper on a sticker price basis. Um, so, so yeah, we, we, we do think that the auto market's gonna consolidate and it's gonna be players like Tesla that are still gonna be around in the next 10 years. And that's not gonna be true for every company necessarily. All right, Tasha Kini is an analyst at ARK Invest, also maybe the first trained mathematician we've ever had on our show. Tasha, <laughs> thank you so much for the time today. I know it's early for you, but we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, let me I took math. I took math classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, and on that note, uh, just a reminder, on tomorrow's show, we'll be joined Thank you. by the CEO and the CFO of Electromechanica. Ticker is S-O-L-O. -O, so we're going to keep on this EV train uh, at least uh, tomorrow as well. I want to thank both our guests today uh, and uh, Nate and Tasha. Thanks to all of you in our chat. If you liked that interview, please hit that like button on YouTube. We appreciate it very much. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your Wednesday. Joel and I will be back in the afternoon at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time. Until then, stay safe and good luck. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.